Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Rosemary Lawton and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Rosemary, the first thing I really want to get into you a little bit about is tell me your career path of choosing the fiddle. Like I know we had Natalie McMaster on and she kind of explained why she chose the instrument she did, but like, why? Well, I mean, my family's very musical, but, uh, you know, singing and piano has always been my family's musical thing. And yeah, I, I, my mom put me on piano lesson in piano lessons when I was in kindergarten. And I used to just like slither off of the piano bench and just like lie on the floor because I just in protest because I hated it. Kindergarten's pretty young to start piano lessons, to be fair. But um, yeah, when I was in grade one, I think it was the Atlantic String Quartet actually came to my school and performed at a school assembly. And I went home from school that day and told my mom I'd found like the most beautiful instrument in the world. She's like, what is it? <laughs> it was the violin. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, she put me lessons. I started when I was in grade two and absolutely fell in love with it and kept going. We had like no one that came to our uh, school like ever perform. Like we'd have maybe someone that would pretend to come to our school and be like, I remember when we were in junior high and this is during the whole Canadian idol was like a big thing. And I'm blanking on the name there now. Um, yeah, there Gowdy. you go. Rex, yeah, there you go. Rex Gowdy. And it was like one of our teachers had just put on a white ball cap, got up on stage and like made sure all the lights were dark. So like no one knew. Rex Gowdy? Yeah. Yeah. And like oh. we had one, one girl was really into Rex Gowdy. So she was going around telling everyone that's Rex. He's here. He's here. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so because number one, they just clued up Canadian Isle and like you're young. So it's not like, you know, everything behind the scenes, but I'm like, I don't think that's how that works, Hillary. I'm like, I don't think that he's just going to show up to a random school here and say, yeah, I'll perform. I didn't do nothing on Canadian Idol. So let's, let's do this. It's like, you realize he's number two. He was runner up. It's not like he was voted out, you know, week one. <laughs> Yeah, when they he, finally, he did really well. Yeah, like <laughs> when, when they finally figured out as the teacher, I was like, I was like, oh, I hate this teacher. I hate you. It's like, why? It's like, you don't he like Rex. Like, he probably <laughs> yeah. didn't like think people would take it seriously. But kids take everything seriously. That's just oh, part yeah. of the game. It, it, especially when they go around the school being like, I can't believe he's coming. And then like, all in your buddies and your friends are kind of like, you fell for that? And then it's like, yeah. oh, for the rest of my life. It's like when you're like 30 years old, you're, you'll go to that person like, hey, remember when you thought it was like, yeah, I get it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about the different instruments there, was there something like that really keenly drove you to the violin? Was it just like you like the sound of it? Was it like, oh, I can I can carry this around where a piano, it's like, hey, do you got a piano in your house? No. Okay. Well, I can't show you. I can play then. I really, I think I loved the sound. I think I thought it it just sounded beautiful. I hadn't really, I grew up listening to like my parents, like if you look at all of my home videos, cause it's funny, people are like, oh, you walk around with a camera in your hand all the time. Like people are always like selfie, but like 
before there were selfies, there were people going around with camcorders, videotaping yeah. every move you made as a kid. And so I have all these home videos and all the background is like Mozart. Like we had like Arnold and off music, Mozart playing in the background all the time to the point where like when I was a baby, I would like somebody played that at a wedding and there's a video of me crawling right up to the string quartet and like bouncing up and down because I knew it. But so I think I was really drawn to string music all the way through because I was raised listening to Mozart and stuff. Mm. I'm not a classical player. I have a violin degree, but I channeled it into fiddle playing when I finished. The other thing that happened when they put me in violin lessons, I think one of the reasons why I wasn't just that classic person who was like, I played violin when I was a kid and never stuck with it. Like, I we had the Suzuki program here in Newfoundland and they put us in group classes with people our own age. So we made friends in the groups and they ended up becoming some of my closest friends and people that I really look forward to seeing every Saturday. So I think that was a big reason why I stuck with it. Yeah. So like when you have more friends or whatever that are involved in that, I guess it kind of drives you to keep going. Cause I assume if I didn't have friends there or, you know, just basically said, yeah, you know, nobody, nobody here likes you or nobody here wants you to play. I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I don't think I want to play this anymore. <laughs> what kind of music were you listening to? Because I know, like I said, like for you to get into the instrument that you are playing, it's not like you're telling people like I'm listening to because your friends are going to say I listen to Backstreet Boys, I listen to Lady Gaga. But when you're telling people like, oh, yeah, I grew up on like Mozart. What were they saying? Were they like walking away from you? They're like, whoa. I definitely was a misfit in school. Yeah, not yeah. going to lie. Not, most of my friends, like I had some friends in school, but like we just didn't talk about music. We just played pretend in the playground but yeah like my main friends were in suzuki so like we were playing the same pieces all the way through we we started i got really obsessed with newfoundland music around that time because um in the suzuki program they have the step fiddlers and christina smith runs that program she's a legend and she introduced us to all these like traditional songs and around that time my parents were trying to get uh, me into you know if, if you're really in newfoundland music let's let's find some women who are inspiring to you so you yeah. know that there are some women that you can look up to um in this industry so they got me like ennis sisters cds and like my first one of my first cds was an ennis sister cd i just i think a lot of my friends just really love newfoundland music too so we just played fiddle tunes all the time and like hearing about what you have to do for screeched in or what they do for people for screeched in i, oh, I get it i get it but it's almost like that's torture <laughs> i was actually a screecher oh really year. yeah i uh, i had a job in Twillingate where i was playing as a musician every single day for i think it was six six nights a week i played and then anybody wanted to get screeched in, I would screech them in. <laughs> Do you get people that are like, kind of like, oh man, at the end of it, they're like, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I got screeched in. But then there's other ones that are probably like, I have to like, what is, what is this? You're joking, right? Like, I have to kiss a cot. It's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh yeah. You got a lot of people who are like, no. And all the, all the people who are around there are like, yeah. And then they end up having to do it. And like that cod that we used, it had like hickeys on it. It was so gross. <laughs> like, yeah. Prior to COVID, I think, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. It's probably like with everything that's changing and especially with like the culture that changes with like, you know, cancel culture and stuff. That's probably going to be, I'm, I'm kind of glad we haven't got hit with that a lot, but I feel like that's going to be coming soon where someone's going to be like, I can't believe we did this. Like we all kissed this cod. It's like, yeah. And you didn't care. And now all of a sudden you do. It's like, yeah, cause it was gross. It's like, who said at any point it was great. <laughs> it was always gross. Yeah, it, it was, was always entirely gross. always gross. 
I remember I went to Ireland and kissed the Blarney Stone and got so sick after. Yeah. I was like flu, flat out flu that same trip. And I swear it's because I kissed the Blarney Stone. They wipe it down with this little rag after you do it. Yeah. It's almost like, there you go. It's clean again. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of people who kiss that thing every day. <laughs> I want to ask you while we have you on, because we're talking a little bit about COVID, but we're almost, I think it's like fully a year now into COVID. Like when this first started compared to where you are or where you're at now using the Newfoundland term. That's a lot. There's a lot of yeah. things I could talk about there. I feel like I could just funnel down a spiral at this point to just yeah, talk go about for it. Go down the spiral. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I am a substitute teacher and a musician. So when COVID hit, I lost both of my incomes right away. Like, so uh, thank God for CERB. And I did have a supportive family and partner. So I was like, not like on the streets, thank God. But yeah, it was a very stressful time. I spent a lot of time on my couch. I think playing Animal Crossing, like lots of people, yeah. like what do you do with your time? Um, and then I just really wanted to like, feel like I was being productive and like had a purpose. I think that was the biggest thing is like trying to find a purpose. So I did a lot of songwriting and I applied for a master's degree and got accepted. So now I'm doing a master's degree, which I never would have done. I don't think, well, I was planning on doing it, but like down the road. And now I'm like halfway through my master's now, which I never thought would have happened. So that's huge. And uh, since then, like we've been, I've been talking about maybe doing a PhD and like going a little further in this education realm than I ever imagined. So that's been uh, really neat. And and like just the research that I've done and like the people that I've gotten to meet through the academic side of music and music education has been really fascinating. Uh, we wrote and recorded an entire album during COVID. I did more songwriting than I've ever done. I'm normally a Celtic traditional musician. Yeah. And that, that's like anywhere I've been nominated for has been in that category or roots traditional or whatever. But this, like the songs I was writing were like way more folk pop, popish than ever. And so we just decided let's to heck with it. Let's just make a bit of a genre change. And so now I'm putting out a project in May. Um, so like really, really soon the singles coming out on f week from yesterday and it's all borderline top forties pop. Like there's some hits in there and I'm really excited. I, we didn't lose the fiddle, but yeah, with the shutdown, we had to get creative, right? Like there was a lot of this stuff that happened. Like I have a producer, Claire Follett. Um, she's, she's up and coming, just doing some amazing stuff. And I built a studio in my basement during the shutdown. We didn't, it was an empty room that wasn't being used. So I built it up and built sound panels with my dad and the two of us built a desk together and really great bonding and just really did it up and it looks sick like it's really awesome the sound panels are great the sound quality is fantastic and then i re i demoed everything in my house and then thank god to technology was able to send them all to claire and then we just bounced it back and forth and she layered stuff and then when we were opened up enough to record the real stuff i would go to her house and we'd do it but um, now, since then, I actually have a fully, you know, I've finally gotten everything I need for a fully functioning recording studio. I'm looking at getting a permit to sort of start my own little recording studio, private studio, violin studio um, out of my house. So a lot of changes have happened since COVID and a lot of really good things have come. Yeah. Like I'm a lot more self-sufficient than I ever was before. I'm a lot more versatile than I ever was before. And yeah, I've got a fantastic space that I never would have had otherwise. Are you a bit more introverted or extroverted? 
introverted it's funny because a lot of people think i'm really extroverted um that's what i was gonna I, say i was gonna be like i was gonna be like geez it sounds like she's like all over the place there but now she's like I, i've learned to be more introverted i'm like oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> no i actually like get a lot i that was the other thing i was gonna say so like i am i'm super like it takes a lot of energy to get out and talk to people and I love it and it's yeah. really nice, but I need the time to go home and decompress. So I get really overwhelmed at times and just like need to just shut everything off. We call it hitting the wall. I hit the wall. <laughs> um, so it happens like every couple of months I'll hit the wall and need to like just channel, like just chill for a bit. But yeah, if you, like when, when we stop talking, I'm putting on sweatpants and I'm going into my chip can, like cupboard of cupboard of chips and sitting down watching netflix like this is my oh really okay for this i'm like woohoo but like yeah like when i'm just hanging out with people i'm way more chill and it's a lot better like yeah yeah i think i think you're doing okay i don't think there's yeah. anything yeah the other thing i really want to get into a little bit to get into like i guess the music side of the conversation here as well now of course east coast music awards are coming up and it's it's honestly still up in the air for me because interacting with so many different acts that are supposed to be on like the showcase, even hearing from, so I believe Jay Malone is like a co-host at some point as well. And even I was talking to Jay and I was like, what's going on here, Jay? Do you know? And he's like, honestly, man, like I'm getting some notes. I'm getting some like feedback. And I'm like, okay, but it's just, it's all up in the air. So honestly, like, have they ever, have they, has anyone sent you an email or a message saying, this is what you're doing. This is what we're trying to get done. Because it seems like a lot of people are still kind of like, whoa. <laughs> With the Newfoundland bubble closed and like Music NL has been really like pretty good. Like they're working as hard as they can to get this working. I think that they know as much as we know for a lot of it. Like it's it's hard. The export showcases are happening for sure, guaranteed. And I think they're working on the award show as well, which makes sense. Like yeah. export it's an export buyers conference. Like they yeah. wanted that. So I just, the reason why I'm dressed like this right now is because um, I just, I'm wearing bell bottoms for goodness sakes. You can't see it, but I'm wearing <laughs> bell bottoms uh, because we just filmed my export showcase right before this interview. So they are working to get stuff done, but I don't know, like, you know, I think they don't even know if, if certain showcases are happening. Like, I don't know. I'm supposed to be playing on the roots traditional yeah. What is it? Oh, I'm supposed to be playing on the folk pop stage. I don't think that's happening. You know, like there's there's things that are a little unclear right now. So I, I like from my understanding of it, and again, I'm coming at it from just more of an opinion based than facts, but I think it's almost like they're basically saying, Okay, we're gonna get so many acts to do stuff virtually. We're gonna see what we can do kind of in person, and then we're gonna just kind of try to like put it all together. It's almost like throwing things at a wall. And then just being like, okay, let's see if it sticks, but let's see if we can make it look good. Now, I'm sure there's more to it than that, like more more professionalism involved in what I'm saying. But it's almost like they're saying we're still going to try to put out a show, the best show that we can with what we're given. But we want to be well prepared. Like we want to have if there's featured acts that we're supposed to have on, we want to make sure that they get featured in some way, yeah. shape or form. If yeah. there are people that can be in like Cape Breton or Sydney and be able to perform it great if there are people that are outside that haven't made the trip in because of obvious reasons let's still get them a platform that they can be featured which i think is cool compared to saying we're just going to cancel it or hey here's your award um do a video yourself basically saying you won this award or like hey you can perform yourself and say i was supposed to do this at the ecmas but you know you're my fan base so you know who i am so blah 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 it's like 
that's great. But the whole idea of award shows is that you get to see new artists that, you know, maybe you haven't seen, maybe you've came to watch and be like, I know when I'm watching like say country music awards or the American and country music awards, it's like, I'm here for Thomas Red. I'm here for Luke Combs. But then they'll be like, oh, this is an upcoming artist that is teaming up with Thomas Red. And you're like, oh man, there I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known you because I'm not a fan yet, but now I am. So I feel like award shows have that kind of impact. Music NL is doing the best they can. And as long as everyone's trying their best and trying to keep you in the loop, but I almost, I almost felt bad because I'm like, they also have lives themselves. It's almost like getting off work and being like, I have to let this person know what's going on. It's like, or take a few hours to yourself and then let them know what's going on. But I guess that they're trying to be like, I want to let them know ASAP. Well, I was talking to Rhonda the other day who runs Music and L right now. And I was just like, I hope to God you have a chance to... <laughs> have a glass of wine at the end of this day and just relax. Cause I, I can only imagine how stressful this is for everybody working there right now, trying to get it all sorted out. So, you know, they're running around flat out glass of wine. That's literally what they're doing. They're running around. And it's like, it's like, did you make that phone call? Yes. Did you, did you call this person? Yes. Do they know? Um, I believe so. I don't know. Yeah. Like, let, let me double check. You were talking a little bit about a new, a new project out in May. It's called canvas. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more, if you can, or if you don't mind, a little bit more about that project. Because, of course, we're here to support the ECMAs. But, you know, when it's timely, like it is, we like to promote things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Canvas is a... So I'm, again, I'm a Celtic traditional musician normally. And I mostly put out traditional Newfoundland music that's, you know, old, found, you know, in field research or whatever that's normally what I do but throughout my life I have done some songwriting and I find I don't really have much to write about unless I have a bit of life experience so I went on tour right before COVID hit in Alberta and we stayed with families out there and there were so many stories that were told to us and so many things that happened and just like so much fodder for creativity so I was writing little jot notes down the whole time I was touring and then I came home and well right before the tour I had heart surgery Just a minor one. It wasn't a major heart surgery, but it was a heart procedure. And it took the wind out of my sails. It really did. And then I went on tour, came back, and my grandmother had passed away pretty much the week after I got back from the tour, then had to hit the road again for another tour. And then COVID hit. And so it was just like a series of big events, life experience events that had a lot of um, impact. And I think when I, I, I wrote a lot more at that period of time, because I was trying to kind of come to terms with it all and figure it all out and just see how it all felt and inspired by a lot of it. And so, yeah, writing became sort of like journaling. And then the songs that came out of it, some of them were just, yeah, I really am proud of them. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the basis for those songs that, that came together. A lot about like different feelings, happy feelings, sad feelings, relationships, Um, it's called canvas because we talked about, I took up painting during the shutdown and I ended up painting the artwork for this album. So I'm really excited to share the artwork. It it really like, this was sort of like a blank canvas for me to create as well. So I've, I've been telling people a lot that this album is more me than any other album I've ever put out. 
uh, it's music that I would listen to in my free time. Like I listen to Celtic music, but when I'm listening to the radio, like I listen to CBC radio too, like all the time, but that's really my bread and butter. And so picture that's the music that you hear on that. And that's kind of what this, this project really is. So, Um, but yeah, like just the, the music style, like, um, you know, Rose cousins and, you know, uh, Serena Ryder and Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Like a lot of, yeah, like those types of, of singers are like really big influences in this project. Big sound, oh, nice. strong vocals. We didn't lose the fiddle though. There's still lots of fiddle. <laughs> yeah, because I was actually going to mention this and I hope it wasn't going to be like insulting if I put it out there. But like when you were saying earlier about how it was more like kind of folk pop, but like you still have the fiddle, but maybe not as much. I look at someone like an Ed Sheeran sometimes. And I'm like, there are some, t- some music that it's not what you think mainstream music is because you hear different backgrounds or different instruments in it. And I'm like, okay. But then someone's like, Oh, well, Ed Sheeran's just doing that because he wants to be in like a different genre. I'm like, no, Ed Sheeran's doing that because look where he's from and look at the background and he's Ed Sheeran. Like leave him alone, but he'll do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He does Ed Sheeran. I don't think someone from Newfoundland, like not me, but someone from Newfoundland be like tweeting at Ed Sheeran. Like, I don't like your music. He's like, Oh my god, guys! Forget it. We're done. Oh, We're done. We're done. Music. We're done. Like, yeah, like, like with with this project, like, there's a lot of crossover. Like, the single we're releasing in th- this Friday has no fiddle on it. Period. Like, oh, there's wow. some string background stuff that I played, but like, no fiddle lines at all. It's very, very pop. And then um, there are like two or three songs on it that are still playable on like jigs and reels and homebrew. So there's yeah. like a bit of a like there's an, enough continuity that it works but like definitely like there's pop and then there's it's there's not defined in like one genre like, yeah yeah there's there's a flow and it all fits yeah. but yeah it definitely has some like spectrum when you talk about music today as well like even with say i know with pop music maybe it's always pop is pop regardless what it is like every, everything can go into that pop filter but i think when you talk about say country music or celtic music it's interesting that the dynamic can change. Like I know with country music, some people will say, well, I like Garth Brooks. That's country to me. And then some people are like, well, I like Rascal Flats. And then some are like, well, I like Chris Stapleton, but yet it's all country, but it's all like and different country at some point too. Right. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It's like, all it can be all classified into a realm, but I think where we really peak in just Newfoundland culture or even just East coast, it's like, if someone becomes more famous worldwide, it's like, that's great. Like if you have someone like a classified or Jimmy Rankin or Heather Rankin that all over Canada knows them. And like, there's parts of the States and elsewhere that like their music, but it's like, you still feel connected because they might like the one hit or something that became like really famous, but just say with Jimmy Rankin followed her around, there could be all of Canada and just say the world will know that song. And they're like, oh, great. You know who Jimmy Rankin is. But do you know this song? And they're like, no. And it's like, oh, well, the people in the East Coast do. And it's like, it's like it still brings you that tie in together. Like, classified. Obviously, on, like, say, Much Music charts. He's been on Canadian charts for, you know, Inner Ninja. But someone might, someone in, like, the East Coast be like, yeah, but have you heard about the Maritimes? And then someone's like, no, I don't relate to that song at all. I'm like, well, we do. Yes, like it's even like even so Taylor Swift for an example. Like yeah. I only ever listened to her radio hits. Period. That was all I ever listened to. And then l- lately, she when she released Lover, 
Okay. Uh, whenever that was, which was like right before COVID hit anyways, I really gravitated towards that album because it just spoke to me during a time that I needed that sort of music. And mm. I listened to the whole album and it was the first time I'd listened to her, any of her entire bodies of work. And there is contrast in there. There's, there's different stuff. And like some yeah. of the stuff she's done now, like you could have like, you know, the weekend playing with her on one track and then it's just her and an acoustic guitar playing like bluegrassy type stuff in another track and it's just there's contrast and yeah. i mean you need to have a hit on your album and then yeah, whatever, yeah. do what you want it's 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 funny that you mentioned that because i i believe we had this conversation i'm just trying to remember which act it was because it was recent where someone said they're kind of upset that people really don't go out and buy albums anymore because you can sit down and listen to a whole album but now people will just listen to a hit on the radio or hear a hit on TikTok and be like, iTunes, download, boom. They don't care about the rest of the album. Like, I have the song that I wanted. I'm done. But I remember when I was younger, I would get like a Backstreet Boys CD and listen to that, like, every song. And th- there's songs out there that I will, like, repeat or, like, find myself singing. And someone's like, who sings that? I'm like, what do you mean? The song is, like, 20 years old. And it's the Backstreet Boys. So, like, I remember that being a hit. I'm like, it wasn't a hit. I just liked it from, like, this CD. Yeah, um, and then to hear them even talk about it, like, like the record producers, like, well, we wanted to, this one we thought was going to be a hit, this one wasn't. But then the band members, like, well, we really wanted to release that one. I'm like, well, it's still cool to me. But like in today's world, if that became trendy on TikTok, someone's like, okay, got it downloaded. I'm like, but did you hear the whole album? No, I got the one song I wanted, which is interesting because I guess people are like more or less trying to find the hits. Like to go off your example of Taylor Swift, I look at it like Miley Cyrus for me in a way because. She can do, you know, team up with a rapper one time. And then you're like, maybe not the song I like, but okay, it's trendy. But then she can also team up with Dolly Parton. Yeah, she came out with a, like, I think her album is out, maybe. I'm not really fully sure if her album is out, but like, I've only ever heard the It's Been a Long Night in the Mirror's Telling Me to Go Home, like that one that's on the radio right now. That's the one I hear all the time. And I love it. But I haven't like downloaded her album. I have been doing that a lot more lately. Like, if I hear a song that I'm, into like i will go and see if there's more from that artist that i like but i i guess i'm not like i'm that's not as common yeah like, like, I, like, I would like to think that it is because like spotify like i know spotify is evil but like it's still <laughs> like those streaming platforms allow you to go in and just click yeah. like download a whole album and listen to it you know like I'd like to think that when I release this album people will listen to all of it because I love every single song that's in this project. And I'd be really concerned hoping. if I'd be concerned if you didn't. I'd be concerned if you had to say, you know, always like, you know especially. And I, I mean, maybe not when I'm at this level, but like if you're at a higher level, you have like, you know, your producers are choosing your songs for yeah, you. Yeah. You might necessarily love every single one, or like the book I put out a book, a song book of empowering songs about women in Newfoundland, Labrador, um, back in end of 2019, and I put out the two albums to accompany that. Yeah, and those albums had to include every single song that was in the book had to right because i wanted to have make sure that they were a resource that i could then use for schools and stuff and so there are some recordings that i'm not as happy with that made it to the made the cut because they had to i mean this is the first project uh, not the first like i'm very proud of every single thing that's on this project they're all my babies and there were a lot of songs that weren't included I, I do like that you brought up about resilience because I was watching, like doing a little bit of research, like I said prior. And it was interesting to me because you said how that idea came to be. And I believe you were saying like you overheard someone say like, there's not a lot of songs about empowering women. And you had written down on like a notepad of like, 
pretty much all these songs that you were trying to come up with or knew was like all involved empowering women. And I think that's cool because it's, it's definitely a focus point that people bring up now and again is like, okay, we want to see more women in music. We want to see more women in media. Like I believe pre pre COVID, I think it was like maybe a few months before COVID had hit you had acts. And I think this is kind of cool in itself too. Like uh, a Marion Morris, like people like pink that were kind of coming out and actually standing up and saying like, why are you not playing our music as much on the radio? And I'm like, it's fair. I'm like, that's a really good point. I don't notice it as much because you're just listening to the songs. But then when you go back and see award shows or see who gets nominated for stuff, you're like, okay, it's a lot of Thomas right there. There's a lot of Luke Combs. There's a lot of like, but it's I not noticed too- that CCMAs was it? The yeah. they had there was like one woman in each category. It was like they had their token female, and then there yeah. just wasn't. Any- yeah, it's, yeah. It's almost like to me, it's like I, I, I'm not saying you have to make it so like equal, equal. Where it's like, okay, listen, Luke Combs might have had a really good album, but because we have three guys here, we got to take Luke Combs out and put in a girl. Like, but for you to say this is the one girl that's shunned the whole year. I'm like, no, it's not like, don't, don't give me that. Don't give me like, it's only Carrie Underwood's year. I'm like, it could be Carrie Underwood's year. could have been Reba's year. Like make it equal, like have two guys. And maybe there's three girls in that category or there's one category that has one girl, but then the next category, it's like, you know, uh, best pop album of the year has four girls and one guy. I'm like, okay. In your mind, you're like, wait, that's, that doesn't sound right. But you're like, that's where gender parity should wind up happening like you know maybe not you know maybe maybe one genre is a little bit man heavy or or female heavy but like the fact is like i think if you did the math on how many women versus how many men were nominated like it's it's very much like there's it's not at all close to being equal let alone even partially off but i mean yeah we're working on it like festival lineups are the same right like you know we had the the iceberg alley here where they didn't have any female headliners. And then they, you know, that, that is a fight. That's still something to work towards. And I don't know why it's a fight. That's the thing. Like there are lots of The dog agrees with you. The dog's like, why? There shouldn't be no fighting. (laughs) I I heard it, but I'm like, that's perfect. I'm like, perfect. Cause judging by the comment, it's like, the dog's like, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I agree with you in that contrast because when when I seen that tweet, I think it was Marion Morris that put it out, and um, I was like, oh my god! Like there are people out there that are like she's so outspoken, she's such like a small little timid, and I'm like, hold on now, she has a voice. Like let's not get into it that way. But I, I was surprised because I looked back at it, and then you, when someone actually shows you that aspect, I was like, oh, I didn't know, but now that I do, that's kind of interesting. And then I was even looking back at my podcast because I didn't want to like retweet something and be like okay, well, we we have a lot of females on our show. And then be like, Brian, I counted your females. You have like three to every 20 guys. And then I was surprised to realize that I had more female acts than guys. And in my mind, I was like blown away because I was like, it's not my intention. It just happened that when you reach out to people, there's a lot more female acts. They're like, I love to do it. Awesome. Great. Let's do this. And the guy, a lot of the guy acts would be like, okay, I'm, I'm free in May. I'm free in June or let's talk. And I'm like, cool. But I didn't notice it. And then when she had tweeted out that, I was like, maybe a lot of the female acts that come on are like, oh my God, someone's actually looking for me for press. This is great. I'm like, oh, it's sad that it has to be that way, but great for you in the long term because this guy's not going to get the exposure and you're getting more exposure. Like 
little like fan bases like myself or podcasts that are just starting off will remember you coming on when you were, you know, essentially you could have been a bigger name or a rising name. And we're going to be like, yeah, she was great to have on. And that's good press for you compared to someone who's like, yeah, I can come on in like July. You're like, okay, like, I hope I remember to reach back to you in July and hope you can come on then. Yeah, it's 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 like and it's hard too when you think about gender parity um, in festivals, because I know like I was encouraged to apply for certain festivals that weren't even like my genre, like a pop or a metal festival at yeah. the time when I was very much Celtic. And they were like, oh, because you take a box, you should apply because you might actually yeah. get the gig. Like, yeah, but what if I get the gig and then show up? And I'm playing fiddle at a metal festival yeah. or something crazy. And then people are like, what the hell are you doing here? And it's like, well, I, I took the box. I got the yeah. gig because I'm a woman. Like that yeah, sucks. Yeah. That yeah. You don't want that. I feel like that's a little bit more like, although I'm sure the hindsight of that is supposed to be like good. It just doesn't come across that way. It's like if I'm doing a podcast right now and they're like, we're taking 20 podcasts from Canada and 20 podcasters from Canada. And you're like, great. And it's like, okay, we're taking 20 male. And you and then you apply to be like one of the 20 male. And it's like, you don't get it. And it's like, well, actually, we're allowed to have one person with disability. And then you get the one because you're a person with disability. You're like, why couldn't I just been classified as 20 male? Like, why did I have to go in here? I feel like the same way about, and I mean, I, I, I feel so, like, I feel like I shouldn't talk about, like, race because I'm white and I'm privileged. <laughs> At the same time, I feel like it's the same way. Like, you don't want to be the token yeah. person of color at an event because you ticked a box because you like you you could be the the you couldn't you might not be good and yeah. then you're hired to this gig because yeah you're a person of color so yeah we did our job today yeah no, no i i think there's a lot of people out there to this day that would agree with you in that aspect like i know it's a little bit outside say the music side but when people apply for jobs and like i've actually had recruiters tell me this it's like well, we have a status quo of how many like people of color we have to hire. And I'm like, why do you have to have a status quo? I'm like, if the guy's good for the job, hire him. If he's not, he's not. But there's this thing now with social media and everything where it's like, like, okay, you didn't hire that person of color, the person with disability, so they should be hired. I'm like, well, no, not if they're not good. Like, I don't want someone working a forklift. And it's like, well, actually, we had to hire him because we didn't have like the one person with disability on our payroll or one person with color. And I'm like, but now they crashed the vehicle. <laughs> it's yeah, like- it's such a hard, it's such a hard thing. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know if there's any right way to do it right now. Like yeah. maybe there is potentially someday, but right now, like gender parity clauses in contracts don't seem to work. But at the same time, if you don't have them, there's still that inherent bias that can happen that will prevent people from getting hired. So like, how do yeah. you, how do you get there? Cause I mean, it's interesting. I watched a YouTube video or something. I can't remember what, where I saw this, but it just really stuck with me. This person he um, works for a company and this girl that he was working with wasn't getting the same output of yeah. work done in a week that he was getting. And his boss was getting really frustrated because obviously she wasn't doing as good a job because her output wasn't as good. And then this guy, he went on uh, one day and he was um, getting, he was just having the worst work day and people were being super condescending on email and being like, you know, let me talk to your supervisor and like not, yeah. he wasn't getting, he was having such a crappy day. 
And then he realized that he was accidentally signed in on her email. And so he'd been signing off all the emails with her right. signature and people were just inherently seeing her name or, you know, Oh, I'm dealing with a woman. Obviously she's not the boss or, you know, like there's, there's that that was happening. And so they ended up switching like actively switching to be like, was that just a weird day or was this, is this always? And they traded emails for a week just oh, wow. to see. And the output of her work ele elevated like exponentially and his ex output went down. And it was just like these inherent biases that people have that they don't necessarily realize. And uh, it, this is why there's a pay gap that you don't necessarily see. Cause a lot of people are like, there's no pay gap that doesn't exist. And it's because people don't get hired because <laughs> The, the clients don't necessarily trust a person because of their gender or their color of their skin or whatever. Like it's, it's fascinating to me and also awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be fascinating and awful. I mean, I look at people like watching like murder mysteries and they're like, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I'm like, it's yeah. awful, awful. And they're like, but I'm interested. I'm like, okay, I'm not judging you. I'm just like, I'm a little bit more, I'm, I'm a little bit more keen to be like, Hey, if we're out in public and it's like, no way, no one's out with us. I'm going to be like, this person knows a lot more about how to, you know, like kill me, dig me up and, and make sure no one knows about it. I'm like, where me, I'm like, I know how to make you laugh, I guess. And they're just like, yeah, I know a lot of stuff, but you're right. It, it is kind of interesting in a way, like that story to me, it's, I'm going to probably sleep on that later and be like, oh my God. I'm like, it seems like something that someone did just for like a YouTube clip or something. Be like, hey, we're going to change roles for a day and see how this works. But no, that legit, I'm sure happens. Yeah. I, I, and again, it seemed very extreme to me. Like I, I, yeah. it blows my mind that somebody could feel that way. But like, I have seen people say like, you know, uh, I've had so many different things said to me as a woman musician or people vent to me about working with me women or other women musicians and forget that I'm also a woman. And then I hear like, you know, I, I get stuff that it's like, what, why did you say that to me? Cause yeah, boy. <laughs> Like, you're coming it, across like a terrible person right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like you realize that I know that person or that we're kind of in our own semi-bubble. I, I, You know what? It's it's something that I think we all need to get better at because I know coming across the, a podcast platform like myself, when I see, say, a male post of a sports podcast and I might listen to like five minutes of it, and I'd be like, this guy sucks. Like his opinion is crap. And other people might like it. But like I feel – you go into the comment section of that and there are people like, oh, this is good or this is garbage, blah, blah, blah. But there are people that will like, if a woman posts a sports podcast, I don't even think people listen. I just think people just go instantly to the comment section and be like, how dare you talk about sports? It's like, okay, but you realize that she's like a WNBA player and would whoop your ass every day. Yeah. It's like, but she's, no. It's like I also, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying, you know, like, oh, I, uh, I hate hiring women uh, this uh, you know I, I have this this female in my band and it really bugs me because i have to have an extra hotel room for her mm -hmm. and i have to pay for that extra hotel room and that's really expensive because she can't room with any of the guys and i'm like that's fair but also you know your solution is hire more women <laughs> so you can have those women share the room yeah. and then you don't have to worry about that right yeah. like yeah. that's your solution don't not hire the woman because you have to have one extra room hotel room to pay for right yeah. like yeah just use the advantage where it's like, okay, it's almost, so I'll break it down like very simplistically. It's like, if you're playing to say $50 for a male room and it's like, well, I got to pay $50 for five males to stay in this room. And oh, now I got to pay 50 for one female or like we're get like four or five more women that you can hire as well. And then therefore they can all stay in that room too. And there's more musical acts. There's more people there. And then it's like, boom, she, 
it, it kind of helps her more in just one way. She don't feel isolated. Number one, yeah. she has someone to bounce off of. Number two, and it's like it's a win-win. Like I guess companies look at it and be like, "That's more money for me." It's like, yeah, but down the road, if all these females became really like good musicians, and just say this female pan that has like the males in it became well known too, it's coming back to you in an aspect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like. What? I think we're getting there, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the last thing I kind of want to get into just briefly as we wrap it up here, what things would have you liked to see or looked forward to if you had to go to the ECMAs? Because I, I know a lot of it is do, being done somewhat virtually and some members have said they really liked, or they, they missed the fact that they don't get to integrate or engage with other artists like yourself and like just, bounce ideas off each other like maybe form a bond and i think that's cool because that's essentially what happens with award shows with anything like you meet people that have similar interests what kind of things would you be missing right now if you had to go to this award show in like two weeks time i mean so like i've been to the ecmas twice i guess and the first time i went i wasn't nominated i was just going to see what it was like get a feel for it so the next year i could kind of like get better at it and and do you know I, I don't I think it was just a strategy for me to try to figure out what it's all about and what I needed to do so I could plan for the next time and when I was there they have the flow case flow Samson Gordy Samson's mom runs this showcase where you just she just has a, a piano in the middle of the hotel lobby and everybody flocks around this piano and jams and takes turns passing around solos and tunes and stuff and I went to that thing every night because it was fun and it was a jam yeah. you could meet lots of other players and I got picked up by the Calgary Folk Folk Club um, to play at their event. And it was a nice paycheck and also really big audience. Um, And she, she heard me there at that show. I didn't have a showcase. I wasn't even a name that anybody knew at this point, but she was like, Oh, that girl who played at that showcase. Like there's all these little opportunities that exist when you go and you network. Like if you go to one of the shows, at, like I ran into Ashley McIsaac and I was just standing next to him at a bar and I turned my head and I was like, oh, you're Ashley McIsaac. And then we just nerded out on bow technique. And like, that's not going to happen now. Like, fair enough. But like, yeah. there's certain things that like, you know, the, the chances of you meeting a buyer in a, in a bar watching a show are, are very high and, and getting to know these people on a more personal level and getting to become sort of friends instead of just being like, hello, my name is Rosemary and I would like you to book me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's way less formal and it's, it's way more casual, but yeah, I think that's going to be a really big um, sort of thing that we're, we're missing, but I'm very glad that they're still doing the expert buyers workshop, the meetings, and I'm still going to be meeting with buyers and stuff um, one-on-one anyway. So that's good. Like, it's not like we're losing opportunities that way. No, I mean that that's fair. I like that you bring you brought up that that uh cuz that's essentially how you meet and greet people or in a sense like like you said you can send stuff out to people and be like, "Hey, it's like hire me or hey, this is my demo." And then they'll be like, "Great." But when you actually get to see like the in person or be around people that kind of share that interest, it's like, "Yeah, that's beneficial." It's like me going into uh I don't know, like a pizza hut and be like, "I have a podcast." And they'll be like, "It's great, not really the audience here." But if you yeah. go into like a media place where there's like say Warner Music, uh, like Atlantic Records, and you're like, I have a podcast, you're like oh, that guy over there has a podcast, like maybe our acts would be good for his show. And then you're like, okay, I'm in the right place here. 
or if you're and also if they meet you one-on-one -on -one, like they get yeah. to be like they get to know you and know like are you a decent human being like i actually like to get on with you and like hang out like okay cool if i like you i'm more likely to give yeah. you opportunities as well yeah. Yeah. so it's less like hey what can you do for me it's like hey let's become pals and see what we can do for each other that's gonna do it for this episode of tobin tonight our thanks to Rosemary Lawton for coming onto the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.